The following contest is a first round match in the Kings of Consoles tournament to determine the greatest game in the history of the Nintendo Entertainment System. Two games enter, only one can advance. Introducing first, the 97th Seed, a 1990 side-scrolling game from Jaleco, Astronax. And it's a poem. The 32nd seed, a 1990 platformer from Rare, Snake, Rattle, and Your ringside judges are Ricky Giraldo and Pat Dooley. There's nothing left to say but round one, fight! Welcome to episode 13 of Kings of Consoles. This is the podcast where we try to decide the best game for every home video game console the best way we know how through a giant tournament. Uh, as you heard in the intro, we did start with the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, we've got 100 great games, uh, and we've already knocked 12 of them out. We're going to do one more today. Uh, I'm Pat Dooley. And I'm Ricky Geraldo. And those of you that joined us last week saw the Guardian Legend knock out the number 42 seed Crystalis in what wound up being our fourth consecutive upset. We'll see if the number 97 seed Astyanax can continue that run against number 32 Snake, Rattle, and Roll uh, today. Uh, unlike last week where I felt like both games, they weren't really the same, but they both had kind of similar elements and so last week was kind of a dull week of playing the games. Um, there was at least enough difference between these two games where I feel like uh, uh, it felt like a better kind of encapsulation of the variety that the NES had. Um, yep. We do always start with the underdog. Uh, so let's start with uh, Ask X. Uh, which is a side-scrolling action game released in 1990. Uh, it's ported from an arcade game uh, that was released in 1989 called The Astyanax, uh, also known in Japan as The Lord of King, which seems really redundant. Um, <laughs> and that was an arcade release uh, by Jaleco. Uh, Astyanax is a 16-year-old who's haunted by a recurring dream where a woman calls his name. When he's transported to another dimension on his way to school, like you do, he learns that the woman is Princess Rosebud, who's been captured by Blackhorn, an evil wizard, and his henchman, Thorndog, which is unfortunate. He learns all this through an exposition dump from a fairy named Cutie, who gives him the legendary weapon Bash, which can change from an axe to a spear to a sword. Uh, and one other fun tidbit I found is that there, the current speedrun record for Astyan is 15 minutes, 15 seconds, uh, which was set in January of wow. this year. Uh, I That's did impressive. not beat the game in 15 minutes and 15 seconds. I, spoiler alert, did not beat it in an hour um, of yeah. gameplay. <laughs> uh, we'll, we allow ourselves to play each game for an hour uh, before we determine which one moves on. Uh, yeah, I did not finish this game. Uh, I, I have lots of notes, but let's just start with this. Astyanax is a game that I remember coming out. Like, I remember seeing the name in 
Nintendo Power and like seeing the 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 box on the video game rental shelves uh, at you know Video Sensations or Chart Hits or wherever it was. Uh, but I never played it until this week. Had you had any sort of experience with Ask nope. Gen X before? This is the first time I ever heard of it. No, yeah, I no idea. <laughs> it's um, it's a little ahead of its time. I made a joke. I think it was on last week's episode about uh, the opening of Death Stranding and how the opening cinematic is really, really long. Astrid Axe, for an NES game, starts with a really long cutscene. Really long. Uh, in fact, I played <laughs> yeah. this first and texted Ricky, like, if you haven't played yeah. Astrid Axe yet, don't start your one-hour timer until the cutscene is done. Um, because it just, it's probably legitimately, what, like six or seven minutes long? Yeah, um, it was. Which is yeah. cool, you know, for, for the era. That's not a thing you got very often. Um, I have some issues with the cutscenes that we'll get to uh, as we go. I actually put... I put the... Uh, story is actually pretty cool. Like, it, it was... It was very anime. Yes. <laughs> I would agree with that. It's... As somebody who hasn't watched a ton of anime, I know you have a lot more experience with that than I do. Yeah. But it uh, it definitely felt very... Like, you know, now let's check in on what the bad guys are doing. And they're, you know, like watching through a magic mirror or whatever. Yeah, actually, I felt like you were watching an episode of, like, believe it or not, like Sailor Moon. Or it's like, guy talks about this. Then you see the hitchmen all talk together. Then they, he, he releases a boss to go get you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. Very, yeah. It also kind of had elements of, like, uh, the original Power Rangers. Yes, I was going to say that. Where it's, you know, uh, uh, Blackhorn is Rita and uh, Thorndog is Goldar. And then they, you know, send down King Sphinx. And then, um, yep. but instead of being giant robots, you're a 16-year-old kid with a axe and his fairy companion. Uh, one note I do have about the... The cutscenes, because there are a lot of cutscenes. Uh, there's a lengthy cutscene after every level, um, not after every level, but after every like chapter in the story. Um, so like when you finish level two, two, there's a long cutscene. I wish they had used different font colors when different characters were speaking, because there were a couple times where it was hard to tell who was saying things. Uh, for example, I already mentioned that there's a moment where. Uh, Blackhorn and Thorndog are watching Astyanax and Cutie through like a magic mirror looking glass thing and talking over it. But until they started laughing evilly, I thought this was a conversation that Astyanax and Cutie were having because it's the exact same white font that they use when they talk to each other in their cutscenes. So. I agree with that. It, it was confusing and I definitely think the cutscenes were cool. I uh, I think the like some of the designs of the monsters were really cool. Very uh, uh I don't know, very Final Fantasy ish. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I would agree with that. There was, but and I've forgotten the term, but there's a name for the a certain kind of game animation from those days where most of the the object is like a still, like just pixels like painted pixels and then only one part of it is actually animated um yeah there they there was a lot of that in this game and i, I felt like it was done really well 
Uh, especially like the boss battles were basically the only parts that were animated were the parts that you actually physically interacted with. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought I thought that part was really cool. Yeah. The, the, the last thing, though, I want to mention, I felt I, like it had cool cutscenes. Like you said, the very first one is super long. It felt like you were playing a Kojima game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, then it got pretty boring. I don't know. I was pretty bored by the game. Yeah, it's it's very traditional, you know, side-scrolling hack and slash. Yeah. You know, hit stuff with your axe or level it up and hit stuff with your spear or level it up and hit people with your sword. Um, or occasionally do magic attacks. Um, I felt like the... Oh, and this also had another one of my least favorite video game tropes of the the enemy that you can't hit until you get close enough to it for it to hit you. Um, like those, Like the ground flower things that shot stuff up into the air. And they would always put one of those like at the end of every gap jump. So, like, you had to take damage to make the jump. And sometimes you would take so much damage it would knock you in the hole and you would die. So that was pretty cheap. But I also felt like through about level three, it's pretty easy. Like, the it is just, you know, run forward, hack and slash. The mini bosses and the bosses are designed pretty cool, but they're pretty easy Especially if you don't use your magic during the level and you just save it up for the boss fight and then you just spam magic until you run out and then just hack, hack, hack. They're pretty easy through those first three levels. Uh, And then you get to 4-1, which I got to about a half hour into the game. And uh, I, I guess we can... Spoiler for later in the show. I spent the remainder of the game on a single level. Um, so it starts off seeming like it's going to be really easy. And I remember reading before we started that there were only six levels. So when I hit level four at the halfway point of my hour, I was like, awesome. I may finish this one. And then not, <laughs> not so much. Yeah. I, uh, well, do you just want to talk about where we got since we are already there? Yeah, we might as well. I've already let the cat out of the bag. I stop where you stop. 4-1. 4-1. Yeah, that level <laughs> yeah, is so much harder than anything else in that game. The the hard, the difficulty spike was tremendous. Yeah. It, it, was, it was out of nowhere. And I'm like, should I like, have unlocked more stuff before that? Yeah. Like, it went, the, like, the difficulty level legitimately went from, like, a, you know, 3 or 4 up to, like, a 9 real quick. <laughs> It just got significantly harder out of nowhere and was just really frustrating. So the, I spent the last half hour of the game just really, really frustrated. Yeah, I tried to beat it. But... Yeah. Yeah, it's... but I agree. And, and what a crazy first boss. I, I found that first boss, like, insane. With the different things on the floor and I don't know. I'm playing. I'm, I'm remembering the second boss, but I, for some reason, can't picture the first one. If I remember correctly, the first boss was like a whole bunch of things on the ground. It was just shooting like lasers at you, kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like. Yeah, you had to like. No, yeah, it was like. They were like shooting lasers at you, and you had to 
like destroy one by one. Really yeah, weird. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it was sort of like the like a beatable version of that volcano in Gradius. Yes. Um, uh, uh, but this one, reason. like there were patterns you could memorize and actually beat it. Um, but yeah, that's uh, a very very challenging game all of a sudden out of nowhere, which was not super fun after a half hour of like decent hack and slash action um do you have anything else on astronax you wanted to bring up before we start talking about the number 32 seed uh no i think we a very meh game yeah i would agree with that (laughs) i would agree with that it's not bad i didn't dislike it but it's not gonna be my first choice to come back to um so snake rattle and roll uh, is uh, it was developed by Rare, which took me by surprise when I saw that name pop up on screen. Uh, yep. Rare would, of course, become a much bigger deal in the Super Nintendo era and the N64, giving us stuff like the Donkey Kong Country games, uh, Banjo-Kazooie. Force Gemini was in it. I don't know, but that's a great game. <laughs> Perfect Dark. So it was developed by Rare in 1990, so they had not quite uh, mastered what they eventually would in those games. Uh, You can play as either Rattle or Roll, or two people can play it simultaneously. Uh, Both Rattle and Roll are snakes, uh, going through isometric mazes while avoiding obstacles and eating pellets that are called nibbly piblies uh, to increase their size enough to ring a bell, like a strongman carnival style bell at the end of each level, which opens a door allowing them to escape. Uh, it received Game Players Magazine's 1990 NES Excellence Award, which kind of makes me, I wish I had looked up what else came out in 1990, because I feel like that must have been a shallow pool for this to have won, unless that's one of those things where they give out like five of them or whatever. Yeah. This one, you know, for Guardian Legend being kind of meh, there was a lot of interesting stuff in Snake Rattle and Roll. Like the the gameplay idea of like, you know, you have to get to a certain size before you're allowed to progress was pretty interesting. Uh, The animation was decent, but it had maybe the worst controls of any game we've played so far, at least in my opinion. I agree. I felt very irresponsible, like, irresponsive. Like, I remember I was like, let's move left, and I just wouldn't do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and it's, like I mentioned, it's isometric view, which, if you don't know what that means, it's like, imagine, like, Legend of Zelda, or Guardian Legend, or Crystalis, where it's just, like, an overhead view. Like, up, down, left, right. Like, those are your movement options. Super easy. You know, yeah. Deadly Towers. There was tons of games like this. Basically, any JRPG uh, before Final Fantasy VII has that same kind of overhead, you know, walking around view. It's like Isometric a... means you take that and you rotate it 45 degrees. So it looks more 3D because you're, like, looking into the level rather than over it. But when your movements are still limited to up, down, left, right on a D-pad for the NES, but... The only directions you can move are up left, up right, down left, down right, and the controls don't match that. Like, left goes down left, up goes up left, right goes up right, down goes down right. 
like so i spent half the time like just jumping into holes because i was pressing the wrong single direction to go in two directions and there were a couple puzzles where you had to like jump around a corner to proceed and those were just uh those were brutal i really did not like the controls on this one no so if if you guys are a genesis fan it, it's just like sonic 3d blast you ever played sonic 3D yes blast? it looked like that. yes that's a great example but, uh, yes yeah like I, I put it in my notes it was hard oh, i thought so the game hard. was pretty hard it is like, really hard i've looked I looked it up, but apparently this is one of the hardest games on the console. I would believe that. I would 100% yeah, and believe I, that. I think it, yeah, and I think it's because the controls. They're just yeah. not good. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, like there's a lot of stuff in here that in another game I would really like. But or now. Now these days, I feel like the controls will be really good. Oh, yeah. Analog. With an analog stick? Oh, totally. Yeah. Like that would be super responsive. and Yeah. Yeah. Like it just it it controlled really bad and that hurt what could have been. I mean, I, I guess enough people liked it because it's you know the number thirty two seed uh, in the tournament. Um, but... It's a, it's ahead of its time with the looks and the ideas. Yeah, I just the technology was not quite there for it. Yeah, they they bit off more than they could chew. Because um, yeah, it's just like the platforming. The platforming especially is just atrocious. Um, yeah. Also, the music drove me nuts. Yeah. I did not like the music on this. It was like the most basic kind of like 12-bar blues guitar riff. Like the first thing that you learn when you're learning to play guitar. Over and over and over and over again for an hour of gameplay. Um, it was... Uh, yeah, it drove me a little nuts. The the opening theme was fine. The like kind of you know digitized version of uh, Shake Rattle and Roll. The I want to say it's a Bill Haley song, but I'm sure I'll be corrected if I'm wrong. Um, but just like you know classic rock and roll song. Um, yeah, I liked that. But then the actual level and the bad. also I think the concept of the game was pretty easy. It's just the snake eating things and yeah, that's pretty. So it's like, oh, it is, it's pretty basic if you think about it. it I think they're just like, let's push the NES. Let's see how far the system could go with graphics with, you know, yeah. the way it looks. Yeah. Because there had been, yeah. I'm blanking on the name of it. could say about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I hate, to, I hate for the highest praise we can give a game to be, well, they tried. But they tried. <laughs> I will say that. While this is maybe not among the least favorite games, because there were things about it that I liked, it is the closest I've come to just turning my NES off since uh, Ice Hockey uh, back in, what, episode wow. four? Um, yeah. I just, between the music and the controls, I just, I got really, really frustrated with this one and just wanted to stop playing. But I made myself push through... Um, and I, I feel like I probably should have just turned it off <laughs> because I like, I think in terms of like enjoyment of the actual gameplay, this is going to be down toward the bottom of the list for me. Not that Astronax is, you know, any sort of great shakes itself. Um, 
I think Snake Rattle and Roll is probably better in terms of like you know obviously design and you know originality and that sort of thing but in terms of like just i i am okay with never playing it again like it's down there for me with you know the kickses and the ice hockeys of the world uh you know i didn't think it was that bad i i mean uh, it's hard to say because i do feel like it was way too difficult (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's it's it really comes down to and we'll get into, you know, our actual pick here in a second, but it really it kind of comes down to like do you reward them for taking a big swing or do you penalize them for striking out? Um whereas, you know, Astrianax was, you know, just little bloop singles into right center yeah. over and over and over again. It's not the most exciting way to drive in runs, but it's dependable whereas Snake Rattle and Roll was, you know, the places where it was good to continue the baseball metaphor were a home run, but it also like its batting average sucked. Uh, yeah. Also, it's, you know, I oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say also, why am I fighting the Monty Python foot in some of the levels? <laughs> like, why is one of the enemies just yeah, a barefoot jumping around? It's anyway. like one of the hardest things to kill. You just gotta mash, mash. mash. Uh huh. <laughs> I was going to say, you know what? It's funny because both games we played this week, I think visually they pushed the NES. Yeah. With the, with the cut scenes from SNX and with the 3D modeling of this one, I thought I thought it was very cool seeing the NES do, do this. Yeah. But I, both of them gameplay-wise, just yeah. either one is repetitive and boring Mm-hmm. Like I thought Astonax was. And yeah. then this one is just not good controls because yeah. technology wasn't there. Right. Like so, Snake Rattle and Roll, like it, I feel like it could have been one of my favorites just in terms of like the, you know, the level designs and the, the, like the gameplay mechanics are yeah. really good. It just controls so badly that it just, any, yeah, it's just I, I think that's that's kind of like how I was with Crystalis. Like it just feels like a huge disappointment. Like there were so many things here that could have been great, um, but it was just all let down by a bad control scheme, uh, which actually surprised me a little bit because I was kind of thinking I was expecting this to have been an arcade game first. Like this feels like an arcade port to me, like a Cubert style arcade game that they just you know, yep. boosted the graphics a little bit for and that would make sense because you have the like the omnidirectional joystick in an arcade cabinet that you could make those like up left up right movements but it wasn't it was it was an nes original and that's wild yeah it yeah because i actually cubert right i i thought that this that's the game that inspired this one very yeah, good. I think that's probably the closest analog in the era. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess let's get into... We already sort of spoiled the high score comparisons. Uh, we both got stuck on 4-1 and Astronax. Ugh, dreaded 4-1. <laughs> so that's another, another tie. Um, Snake Rattle and Roll. I made note of both my high score and the highest level I made it to because I didn't know if we were going to need either of those as a tiebreaker. 
Um, I made it to level five on Snake Rattle wow. and Roll. Well, you won this one. I made it to level three. <laughs> level three. My high score was one hundred sixty-seven thousand seven hundred. Um, it's. Uh, I don't get a high. I just forget. I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I am good. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, again, it's not good, but uh, but yeah, I, I somehow managed to make it to level five, uh, which level four. There is one section. I was talking about the in Astronax, the little like the flower shooty things that you can't make the jump without getting hit by them. There's one jump you have to make where you're either going to land on an enemy which hurts you or you can jump over the enemy but you run the risk of landing on a quote-unquote power-up that like there's power-ups throughout the game where you can like make your tongue longer or you know whatever but in this case it changes your control scheme so all of a sudden whereas left was up and left before now left is down and left and so you go to make a jump and you wind up jumping off the edge of the world because your control scheme got switched around oh that's terrible so yeah so that was that was really really frustrating um yeah so i'm actually i'm a little impressed that i won snake rattle and roll because i did not (laughs) enjoy it uh so the winner between these two games uh is going to be is going to face off against the winner of a game we're going to get to in a few weeks uh which is batman the video game and Dragon Ooh. Warrior 3. So those two are head-to-head. The winner of this game will face the winner of that game. Um, our online vote, we didn't get a ton of responses. This was kind of a last-minute, we weren't going to record this episode. Uh, we, I mean, obviously it was going to come out this week, but in this recording session where we're recording it, we were going to push it back to the next one. Uh, but we decided last-minute to add it, so we didn't get a ton of votes online. It was 100% for Snake Rattle and Roll. Um, which was, you know, not a huge voter turnout, but it also might be like last week where not a lot of people had played either of these. Um, I'm going against the people. I'm voting for Astronax. Even though it was repetitive, um, I just, I, I'm going to have to play one of these games for another hour in a few months. And I just, I don't know that I can do another hour of Snake Rattle and Roll. But now you're the tiebreaker. So you do. You, <laughs> if you enjoyed Snake Rattle and Roll, I will do oh. it. But uh, yeah, so that's that was my two cents. Gameplay why? Oh man, this is hard because they're kind of the same trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. They're what? both they're both big swings that. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't say they're trash. They're very good games. Just there's a lot more better games in this tournament. So, yes. I'm going to go with Astrodex. Oh, yes. Thank you. So, yeah, it, w- it was pretty boring, but I really want to see where the story goes because I, like I said, I'm a big anime fan and it was very anime to me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to continue this. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see what happens to Astrodex and Cutie. <laughs> so that means that Astronax will now be facing the winner between Batman the Video Game and Dragon Warrior 3 uh, in round two uh, when that comes up. All right, sorry about that little breakup there. We uh, had some technical difficulties, so I'm flying solo on the uh, the outro this week, unfortunately. Uh, but you heard Ricky uh, 
he agrees with me that Astrian Axe is uh, slightly less of a disaster than Snake Rattle and Roll, so it moves on to face Batman the video game and Dragon Warrior 3 in round number two. Um, so sorry for those of you that voted for Snake Rattle and Roll, but, you know, maybe we'll do a consolation bracket one day. Who knows? Uh, you can follow along with all the winners and losers by going to challenge, C-H-A-L-L-O-N-G-E dot com slash kings of consoles. We've got our full bracket posted there along with the dates of upcoming episodes. Uh, you can buy us a cup of coffee, ko-fi.com slash kings of consoles. Um, obviously, no obligation to. We're not putting any sort of you know bonus content for people to contribute. But, you know, if you you know feel like throwing a couple bucks our way so that we can you know get a, a large dr pepper instead of a medium next time we're out we'll be okay with that uh next week we are going to be continuing on games with x in the name as the number 36 seed faxanadu takes on number 93 little samson uh not to be confused with little sebastian may it rest in peace uh you can check us out on facebook facebook.com slash kings of consoles Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Kings of Consoles. Uh, I am at LoopyDate on Twitter. And you can follow Ricky at Ricky4518. Uh, as always, you know, if you have questions, comments, anything, uh, we will put up polls to help you vote on the next few episodes when time comes to record them. Uh, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you hanging with us through some minor technical difficulties here at the end of episode 13. Uh, we've really enjoyed spending this time with you and we're looking forward to the next 86 weeks of this tournament and then uh, what comes next, whether that's NES, Super NES, or hey, maybe we'll do a virtual boy tournament. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay inside. We'll talk to you next week. Kings of Consoles is recorded in Nashville and Orlando and is produced and edited by me, Pendley. Thanks to Captain Portal for our theme song, intro for a non-existent video game, which can be found at freemusicarchive.org. And the music and sound effects from this week's games can be found with a quick Google search. The opinions expressed in this and every episode are our own, and we are in no way sponsored by or affiliated with Nintendo. We're just big fans.